listening to the Hooked on Learning Podcast, where we discuss all things related to continuous improvement. And now to your host, Jesse Marka. All right, welcome back to another episode of Hooked on Learning, and today we close out crew resource management. And the way we're going to close out crew resource management is focusing on a couple of other threats that plague the fire service because we certainly are not without error in these two areas, but that is physical health and mental health. So we're going to start by talking about our physical health and why that matters and some case studies, and we're going to transition into mental health and some things that we should be looking for and be aware of um, both in ourselves and our crew members. So For physical health, the case study we're going to use is American Airlines Flight 550. And that was from Phoenix to Boston. And it's really the epitome of all the things we've talked about before in managing, quote-unquote, bird strikes, risks, threats. Now, the, the captain of this aircraft went into cardiac arrest while the flight was uh, ongoing. And the co-pilot took over and really handled this threat in a way that did not produce any more errors. And the biggest thing he did, aside from effectively communicate the situation with his crew and the tower, was to fly the plane, which is what we just finished the last chapter. So I'm going to play for you the uh, audio from a story on this, and and just listen to it and and soak it up. Syracuse, American 550 is out of 15,000 for 5,000. A medical emergency. Captain is incapacitated. Uh, Request... uh, Handling for runway one zero landing. Expect a right turn off of Foshka or Charlie. The ambulance to meet you on the south side. All right. Are they going to have a way to get into the airplane quickly, or do we need to go to a gate? Uh, they will have a way to get into the airplane quickly. We have a big the ice pad there. Uh, I can give you some progressive. Expect a right turn. It'll be a midfield Foshka. Understood. Uh, as long as they have a way to get on the airplane quickly, we'll need them to get to the captain. Thank you. Roger, sir. So he encounters a situation with extreme risk. This is a very serious threat, right? The captain of the aircraft has gone into cardiac arrest, leaving the co-pilot with a choice. Do CPR on the captain or effectively communicate what's going on, essentially through the use of a CAN report, conditions, actions, and needs, which is exactly what he did, and now fly the plane and let the crew and and potentially even the passengers work on that captain. Um, And then he diverted into another airfield to get the captain um, emergency care and EMS activated much faster. Now, Lieutenant Van Kelberg from Metro Airport mentioned that um, with this comes some more unintended risks, which uh, involves the pilot sometimes diverting to an airport they are less familiar with, and some terminology uh, becomes difficult in terms of taxiways, runways, uh, airlines, and all those things um, can become problematic both for the fire department at the airport as well as the tower and the airlines itself. So kind of interesting to think about it from that um, aspect as well. And it's interesting to think about the same situation occurring in the fire service. So in the fire service, we have uh, on average from 2005 to 2014, lost approximately 100 firefighters per year. And uh, what's interesting is essentially 
exactly half of those firefighter line of duty deaths were caused by sudden cardiac failure. So depending on the year, the sudden cardiac failure accounted for 39% to 64% of all line of duty fatalities and 48% of deaths over this period of time. That's 485 firefighters um, that were killed by sudden cardiac failure. So what have we done to prepare for this bird strike in the fire service? So one of the things that's really coming about now, and it's slow in its, um, in its release, is down firefighter CPR. Are we actually trained and training to save our own people? We were fortunate to conduct a few drills last year uh, in a training house on Franklin where we, we did this. And it's kind of the concept of if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> so if, if you can get a firefighter out of the building, uh, which is mentally and physically taxing, and then work as a crew, basically a pit crew, to remove that uh, firefighter's protective ensemble and get that point, person to a point where you can treat them like any other civilian. That takes a lot of rehearsal and a lot of coordination. So just, you know, that's something that we need to make sure we are doing appropriately and doing at all times uh, because it carries significant risk. We know that. And what is predictable is indeed preventable. So some other studies have come out. Uh, for example, there's a study on the risk of line of duty coronary heart disease-related deaths by type of duty by Dr. Stefano Kales uh, from Harvard. And he's an occupational researcher, and he works a lot of times with Denise Smith from Skidmore College to come up with these things. And um, some findings along the way were that 56% of sudden cardiac failure fatalities revealed left ventricular hypertrophy, uh, which is something that we can, you know, delve a little bit deeper into to find out the correlation there between the fire service and the left ventricular hypertrophy. So with that being said, uh, they categorize the death by the type of activity that is being performed. And as you probably would have guessed, fire suppression is the number one cause. And that's the number one cause for several reasons. It is a high stress environment with really poor environmental conditions. High heat, low visibility, your gear is designed um, in a way that does not allow heat to easily release from the inside of the gear, meaning our core temperatures rise and there's corresponding changes in terms of the pathophysiology um, of, of um, the results of that, thickening of the blood and several different studies out there, and uh, it's a big deal, so we need to be on top of that. But you are 15 times more likely to have sudden cardiac failure during a fire suppression event than you are during a non-emergency event. So uh, keep that in mind because every time you see more line of duty deaths, it seems increasingly common that these are happening as a result of sudden cardiac failure. So with that, we developed a cardiac checklist. So these are things that you can do to promote a higher level of um, cardiac performance. So number one, encourage high levels of fitness, not just from you, but also from your crew. Uh, number two, promote good nutrition. So 
check in with our favorite fire department nutritionist, firefighter Jeff Darby. He will be more than willing to share with you the versatility of cauliflower. In fact, he is asked to do podcasts on this topic. Uh, the man has a wealth of knowledge, everything from coconut oil to organic apple cider vinegar. He is the man with the plan. Number three, reinforce the importance of knowing your cardiovascular disease risk factor profile and working to improve it. Number four, promote a tobacco-free lifestyle. And it doesn't take a profit to show up, you know, maybe at an auction or some other thing you're working on and tell you that tobacco is bad for you. Um, so my one of my uncles was a Department of Defense employee. He was killed in the line of duty during a training exercise, and it was a physical agility training. He had to run, um, you know, a mile and a half in X amount of time. And sadly, while he was running that path through the Selfridge Air Force Base, uh, it was very cold out, he collapsed and uh, went into cardiac arrest and ultimately passed away. And although he was one of the healthiest men ever, what was working against him was he smoked like a chimney. And it's sad to see that because that's something that could have prevented such a tragedy from occur occurring in the first place. Number five, encourage a supportive environment from meeting, for meeting health and fitness goals. Um, so a little bit of positive motivation. And number six, super important, uh, and, and this is really something we're accepting more and more as a fire service, ensure the wearing of your SCBA from initial attack to the completion of overhaul. So no more shortcuts, no more convenience. Oh, I got to be so much better if I didn't have an air pack on right now. So reality is wear your air pack. Some really interesting things too. Side note before we move on to the next uh, bird strike here. 30 to 45% of firefighters are considered obese. <laughs> That's really not acceptable in this field. Um, so obviously there's some corresponding benefits to having a higher fitness level. We have increased work capacity, increased cardiac efficiency, increased muscular strength and endurance so it's your opportunity to build muscles like me. Decreased fatigue, increased thermal tolerance, increased plasma volume, and an improved clotting profile. So if you're looking for uh, ways or, or reasons to improve your physical fitness and look no further they're here. So that being said, there are several things that continue to come out on physical fitness and cardiac health in the fire service. Be, tune, uh, be sure to tune into that. You know, the different fire service websites have lots of good information on that as well. But there's one other bird strike that we're going to finish talking about. And that bird strike, that threat is behavioral health. So how do we manage that? Because in the past, this has been something that has not really been talked about, and it's manifested itself so many times, and we can look at, to our counterparts in aviation to see this, and we can talk about uh, specifically German Wings Flight 9525. It was a scheduled uh, international flight from Barcelona, Spain, to Dusseldorf Airport in Germany, and it was operated by German Wings, which is a low-cost carrier, uh, carrier owned and operated by Lufthansa. And on March 24th um, of 2015, the aircraft, which is an Airbus A320, crashed 100 kilometers northwest of Nice in the French Alps. Very sadly, all 144 passengers and six crew members were killed. 
and it was the first fatal crash in German wings 18-year history. Now, this didn't happen because a plane fell out of the sky or there was a mechanical failure. There was a human failure, and the human failure uh, tragically was basically 100% related to the mental health of the co-pilot. So the crash was deliberately caused by the co-pilot, Andreas Lubitz, who previously had been treated for suicidal, suicidal tendencies and was declared unfit to work by his doctor. Now, allegedly, the co-pilot kept this information from his, from his employer and instead continued to report for duty. So shortly after reaching cruising altitude and while the captain was out of the cockpit, he locked the cockpit door and initiated a controlled descent that continued until the aircraft impacted the mountainside. Now, in response to the incident and circumstances of the co-pilot's environment, uh, involvement, I'm sorry, aviation authorities in some countries have implemented new regulations that require the presence of two authorized personnel in the cockpit at all times. So, this is a, a sad, sad, sad situation where somebody who is in desperate need of, of uh, help as it related to their men mental health didn't take advantage of the situation in terms of telling the community uh, the employer communicating with the employer that hey it's me I have a problem I need assistance and the reason why that may not have happened is because there's so many words associated with mental health right from weakness to suicide to stigma to um, soft to uh, it's just anxiety or toughen up um, your mental your bipolar so those are a lot of the words you know that are focused in on this and again firefighters are supposed to be some invincible um, type of human being and if that was the truth then we would have communicated what makes us so special a long time ago but the fire service is not immune from these situations and sadly firefighter suicides um, every year continue to go up and up. And while there's a lot of words associated with mental health um, and suicide, there are sadly many names associated with that, especially with the fire service. And one of the names I think of when I think of mental health in the fire service or depression or anxiety is Nicole Mittendorf. And Nicole Mittendorf was um, a, a career firefighter in a larger department in another state. And in April of 2016, she decided to take her life, uh, and it was sad because it left, it kind of ripped the organization apart, and it's left a lot up to speculation in terms of what may have caused that, and there's certainly a school of thought that what caused that was her being the victim of some bullying, specifically cyberbullying, on essentially um, a forum comprised of department members. So potentially her own members at her own department contributed to uh, her depression and her anxiety to the point where she felt no other way out than to take her life. And, and kind of ironically, her husband is also a firefighter as well. So it's, it's really ripped the family apart, and it's, it's obviously had some, uh, some bad effects on the organization as well. And it's one of those things that we can't just kind of plead ignorance to. If you know it's out there, then do something about it. And if you don't, you're part of the problem. You're certainly not part of the solution. Now, suicide deaths by year, 
uh, firefighter suicide deaths by year in the United States continue to climb. And it's part of the reason is we haven't done a real good job of tracking these. So I told you approximately 100 firefighters are killed in the line of duty every year. Well, last year, 2017, we, we witnessed a record low, which was 60. But in 2016, we had 130 firefighter suicides alone. And this source is the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance. They're working to, uh, to work through this and really track this down to see if the fire service is at a greater risk. And right now, the hypothesis is that we are. And suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, with 13 people per 100,000 people dying by suicide annually. And the rate, they believe, continues to be on the rise. So a study published in July um, of 2017, I believe it was, by the Centers for Disease Control looked at suicide in 17 states and found the rates of suicide among those in protective services, which includes firefighters and police, was 34.1 per 100,000 people. So I get 13 per 100,000 for your average person, but 34.1 per 100,000 for um, for people in protective services such as police and fire, which puts them at the sixth highest leading cause of death for males. Among women, those in protective services had the highest rate of suicide of any occupational group at 14.1 suicides per 100,000. And, uh, you know, during the study from the Firefighter, Beha Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance, among the 1,027 firefighters who responded, nearly 50% of them reported having considered suicide during the course of their career. And nearly one in five, so 20%, had developed a plan for their suicide, and 15.5% had actually attempted suicide at some point in their career. In comparison, it's estimated that 1.9 to 8.7% of the general population have attempted suicide in their lives. So one of the reasons this number still remains uh, relatively low, so to speak, is they don't believe they're capturing all of the suicides that occur um, in terms of the fire service. So as we kind of close this chapter down and wind down career resource management, we're, we go back to the checklists. And we have a checklist here on reading smoke but not in a traditional sense. We're not talking about a two-story single-family residence with smoke showing on the second floor, Charlie's side, and it's a brown smoke puffing from the eaves, indicating structural involvement. What we're talking about is reading smoke in terms of where there's smoke, there's fire, in terms of mental health. And you're seeing new posters pop up in the fire service about ask, care, and take, and act now, and call this number, and here's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. But some tips for reading smoke. So here's our checklist. Number one, if somebody speaks about wanting to die. Number two, they're looking for a way. Number three, they have this hopeless feeling. Number four, they feel trapped. Number five, they feel like a burden to others. Number six, they have an increased use of alcohol and or drugs. Number seven, they act anxious or agitated. Number eight, they engage in increasingly reckless behavior. Number nine, major sleep pattern changes. Number 10, social isolation. They are no longer part of the group. They've effectively removed themselves from the social makeup of the organization. 
Number 11, rage. Um, mood swings. Um, that's also number 12. And the, the, their mood is swinging. Um, heavy highs, heavy lows, and, and kind of everything in between. So um, firefighting is a difficult profession and everybody understands that. And while there's some glamour behind it and, and the public perceives um, it to be a glamorous and fulfilling job, it is a fulfilling job. However, uh, in 2015, it was voted the most stressful job. So overlooking the obvious, right, the danger of firefighting, which causes an increased rate of both morbidity and mortality, what are some other stressors? And those stressors sometimes come um, in the form of PTSD in terms of drawing back to something that has triggered uh, something that is very, very hard to get past. It could come also in the form of bullying. Uh, as firefighters and as humans, sometimes we take things too far. So with that in mind, do your best to be part of the crew, right? Build teams. Don't tear the teams apart. And as we close out our series on crew resource management, we have talked about the threats and the bird strikes related to the fire service. Training, situational awareness, communication, command and decision making, physical health, and mental health. So we need to make sure that at our core, we are prepared and willing to engage these bird strikes in a way that reduces the threat and, and eliminates in all ways possible the aspect of human error. You do not want the burden of thinking, man, I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have done something differently. And the beauty behind crew resource management is it allows you to have that voice and to speak up regardless of your experience or your rank or your social standing within the organization. So thank you so much for your time. Plan for those threats, manage those errors, and be smart and fly the plane. Thank you for listening to the Hooked on Learning Podcast. Until next time, be smart.